Photographic manipulation is a term used to describe the process of altering images using both analogical and digital means. Professionals, hobbyists and amateurs alike, we all have our own means and our own ways of making photographs look better. However, is there a predefined method of producing great results? Or can we abandon our own eye for design to rely on auto features and presets and software packages to do the job for us? But is manipulating photographs with such extensive precision really necessary? And does the fact that we need to manipulate photographs and enhance images reflect negativity on us who took the photo in the first place? Is it really down to how we use our skills and photographic theory to take a good photograph, or can we get away with using this digital enhancement? In questioning this, one also considers the ethical side of manipulating photographs. Is it really down to professionalism, and in speaking of this, how does one reach a professional level? In investigating photographic manipulation, I looked into the computing side of the said practice and spoke to a digital imaging expert, Stuart Aiken, who is a postgraduate in image compositing and now a part-time teacher of programs used to manipulate photographs in a professional manner. My name is Stuart Aiken and the reason I really got into digital imaging is I've always been fascinated by movies and the concept of what movies can do for people and there's this whole ideal of you know a picture can tell a thousand words. It gives people a really good opportunity to try new and different things which obviously we couldn't do. The way the technology has come on and the way we use the technology now it all has a purpose, it all comes from photo manipulation of, of old and once you start understanding a little bit about that you start to see why you know applications are using the certain tools and software that they, they've created for imagery. You're in, in any kind of situation you're always going to have people who are naturally gifted and you're always going to have people that have to work a little bit harder at it. I genuinely say that in order to break rules you need to understand them. And a big part of digital imaging and, and understanding manipulation is about breaking rules, breaking laws of perspective and understanding certain rules. So I think as, as long as people are breaking those rules, there's no right or wrong. It's really down to what is out there. To kind of contradict that, what I would say is the more you learn, the better. There's so much information out there about images and with this digital era, things like file formats play a huge impact on the images. Looking at things like compression will play a huge role on the concept of what the image is going to look like, where it's being used, if it's being printed or if it's being used on the web. So there's a lot to learn. It's not just a case of being able to do it. However, you do have gifted people who have a natural response to the image itself. But the skills can be learned, yes. Stuart then proceeded to tell me the importance that software plays in the photographic manipulation and digital imaging industry. I asked him all about the types of software available and he had this to say. 
you'd be looking for sort of free software or something fairly cheap, then I'd recommend just getting familiar with software applications like the GIMP. There are also major applications out there which are used in competitive studios, which are used at a very high level, such as Adobe Photoshop, which is primarily used for print and for web graphics. And you also have Adobe Fireworks, which is a fantastic tool for web-based graphics. So those, those are pretty much the ones I would use the most. And I'd say they're very much industry standard. It's what people expect you to know a little bit about in the industry. I'd say there, there were two main people that really interested me in, well, that took my interest with regards to digital manipulation. And one of the first was actually my lecturer who at, at a college who became my mentor and started kind of drawing me into before I got into it, digital manipulation I was always interested in photography so what I needed to do was find out how I could photograph how I could get into it and this guy kind of took me under his wing and showed me a lot about it so I'd say he's definitely helped me but in terms of inspiration I'd say one of my favorite photographers is a guy called Joe McNally who's renowned for how he takes photographs. He's always pushing the boundaries, and it's not so much just the image he captures, but how he's managed to get to that position to take the camera. A good example of that is a shot that he took at the top of the Empire State Building, where he found himself dead on the telephone mast at the light, at the absolute peak of the Empire State Building, and managed to take a, a snapshot of himself. Fantastic photograph, really nice vignette, some really, really nice colors really rich photograph and high above the skyline of New York, so fantastic photographer, yeah. I'd say first and foremost, concentrate on your creativity. Because that's what it's about. You don't need, you know, really expensive software applications. You don't need a really fast computer to be a photographer. All you would really need is a good camera. But in terms of digital manipulation, a lot of that is down to actually having the photographs to work with and being creative with them. So as long as you've, you've, you're exploring your creativity using pen and paper, you, you're gonna still have the same creative ability once you have the technique and once you have the actual software in front of you or the hardware to actually work with the images. As long as you're exploring your creativity constantly, then that's, that's what's gonna break the boundaries, hopefully. I see it only getting better. What I'm starting to see is a lot of still imagery moving into film and a lot of still imagery moving into 3D applications. Concentrating on things like texturing and concentrating on lighting and things like that. So digital imagery and digital manipulation of imagery extends far beyond just having a single captured photograph. There's a lot of people that use tools like Photoshop to do matte painting for video. So you can concentrate on a you know depth of field and things like that just using a software application. And then converting that still image into a motion graphic. So I would definitely say that there's a number of ways of getting those motion graphics into other applications. And just by means of that, it's improving the technology, it's improving where, where it's going in the future. So. I'd definitely say there's a, a huge count in where photographs are going in the future with that. These words, Habbeister, reinforce that the process of photographic manipulation 
follows the purpose held by so many of her photographic techniques, and this message is that practice really does make perfect. But by definition, photographic manipulation can mean much more than just making images look better. There have been many examples where photographs have been altered to make people look different or make it look as if they were in a different scenario. With the emergence of internet technology, this has become a very serious issue. But how can we protect ourselves and what really are the legal stipulations of this subject matter? I spoke to postgraduate of photography and film, Andrew Hogg. In an industry such as ours, that's under like constant media scrutiny, it's absolutely vital that any project you undertake, you must ensure you have absolute legal rights to everything that you do. Obviously, a photo lasts forever, and so people are naturally very reluctant in giving permission for their image to be taken and manipulated. It is therefore essential that we, the manipulators, have clear permission, preferably in the form of written consent that can't be, you know, debated afterwards. We have the permission to manipulate and publish images of the said individual before we begin any project. I then spoke to Andrew about retouching and the negative betrayal that airbrushing celebrities and models has on us, and why we feel the need to create such false perfection. Is it really down to insecurity, or has this been proven to increase sales? Andrew had this to say. I think, from a developer's point of view, it's all down to ethics. In an industry like ours, it's the constant battle between ethics and economics. It's really important to always remember that while any project you undertake may not reflect badly on you in the short term, for the individual in question whose image is being manipulated, there could be literally very lifelong repercussions. And so it's vital that they're both aware and comfortable with how they're being betrayed and, you know, aware and comfortable with everything you're doing. Also, since you are the person responsible, it can be very detrimental to your personal career if you're involved in any project that later on becomes, you know, under negative press. My advice to both the photographer and the individual is to be so, so careful and always read the fine print in everything that you sign, because the repercussions can stretch so far into both of your lives. Photographic manipulation is an extremely taboo subject in the modern world, now more than ever. My personal view is that until there is exact and undebatable legal rules and guidelines and a lot more open discussion on the subject, it's really foolish to set yourself on either side of the fence. People are so quick to see the moral flaws and, you know, creating perfect images and this whole false images of beauty, and I suppose that is a valid point. But the fact at the end of the day is that sexy sells. People enjoy more and will pay a lot more for images, the better the aesthetic value of the images. And so it's really important that the photographic manipulator always maintains a strong degree of balance between the moral implications of their actions and the economic implications of the same actions. Andrew and I spoke for a while about ethics, but every now and then I mentioned technical aspects behind this practice. One of the questions I asked him was which method works best? Applying filters before with the camera settings, or after with software? A question that Andrew was quick to respond to. I think obviously there's a definite middle ground in this, however I personally would always say do anything like that afterwards. 
because once you have the image in front of you, if you filtered it beforehand and done it wrong, it's too late, you need to do it completely start again. Whereas if you modify it afterwards, anything you do can be undone and then changed back. So I'd say afterwards. I had enjoyed speaking with Antry and felt he made some very valid points. But I also felt that there was room for one more interview. This takes me to the experienced photographer, James Fortune. As a photographer, I think that manipulating photos for enhancement purposes should only be used subtly. Sort of like, to a certain extent, if you will. I've seen people using Photoshop, sort of aperture, that sort of thing, to fix up the really poorly taken images. But it's, it's false, it's completely false. You should be able to take the image in the camera. You shouldn't need to do all of that stuff if you're a good photographer. It's evident that from a photographic side, over-enhancing reflects badly on the photographer. James seems to believe this is true. Perhaps before buying expensive software, we should be buying expensive photography equipment or finding high-quality images from other means. Photographic manipulation should be considered deeply before you, before you even consider the image enhancement. My advice is to ensure that you know how to take a good picture in the first place using the camera, the physical equipment that you have, before you start messing around. My time with James was brief, but I feel that having spoke with three experts, I'm a much more aware person, and realise that everyone has their own opinions on the subject of photographic manipulation. This is a subject matter where everyone has their own views, and so as individuals, we should learn the techniques and then explore the possibilities ourselves. The more you learn, the better. And there's this whole idea of, you know, digital intelligence works. In terms of inspiration, I'd say one of my favourite photographers is a guy called Joe McNally. From a developer's point of view, it's all down to ethics. It gives people a really good opportunity to try new and different things. It all has a purpose. Photographic manipulation is an extremely to subject in the modern world, now more than ever. I feel that we have only touched the surface and asked myself what the future will bring for photographic manipulation.